Hey everyone, welcome to the latest episode of Happiness and Humans. Um, I'm Matt Phelan, I'm a co-founder of a business called The Happiness Index and I am here today with one of my absolute favourite people in the world who's been on before, so hopefully you've um, listened to him before, but um, I'm here with Geffen Adin. How are you Geffen? <laughs> thanks for the intro, great to be back, I appreciate you having me back. I'm pretty good thanks, not too bad, how are you doing? I'm good, Did um, Geffen did you watch the Roman Kemp documentary? I haven't seen it yet. No, I've heard a lot about it. Saw a lot on social media, so definitely on my watch list. But seems to be doing the job. I think raising awareness of men's mental health. So looks pretty good. Yeah. So I haven't watched it either. But Chris, my business partner, who you know, Geffen, yesterday said it's well, the main takeaway from it is that I've asked you how you are, but then I, but then when you give me your response, like you've got to, and we're we're starting this at the Happiness Index, which is, but how are you really? Hmm. Yeah, um, how are you really, Geffen? I'm asking you. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it's it's interesting. Right? I think somebody asked me just before the pandemic, kind of, I met up with them and they said, uh, so how's things going? And I just went straight into talking about work and he stopped me and he said, I asked how you were. I didn't ask you how work was. Mm. Um, and I think many of us are guilty of confusing the two. Um, yeah, you know, I'm I'm living through a pandemic, right? So it's, it's not easy. Um, I, I've got it a lot easier than most people. But still, it, it can be a it can be a struggle. Um, the end is in sight, and I'm optimistic. But like like so many, I'm not sleeping as well as I should. I'm probably doing too much work. Um, I'm forcing myself occasionally, like I did yesterday, to just walk away from work and go for a walk with an hour without my phone. Um, yeah, and I find that quite difficult to do. Um, um, but yeah, so thanks for asking. <laughs> thanks for exploring further because that's a very different answer to what I gave you. Yeah, thanks, Geffen, and. Um... I know lots of listeners already know who you are, but the, we've, hopefully we've got some new listeners in Geffen. So I'd, I'd love you to introduce yourself. Um, so, yeah, Geffen Nadine. So I'm currently Director um, of Wellbeing at uh, Employee Experience Technology Business called Benefex, um, part of the uh, senior leadership team there for almost 10 years now. Um, I'm a qualified psychologist, um, award-winning psychologist, a best-selling author, um, yeah, and I, I guess a lot of my time is spent kind of reading, researching, working with uh, large brands and employers around the world to try and create better, better workplace experiences. You know, designed around well-being and uh, with the employees' needs at the heart, and trying to get businesses to realise that when you invest in all this stuff, you create better businesses. You know, well-being yeah. is just about solving people's mental health problems. It can also be about creating a better business that's kind of got more loyal customers and better products and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, Geffen, the, the, the main reason I invited you on is I, I saw that you tweeted out a report called um, head, uh, title Engage, um, Engage Success Special Wellbeing Report. Um, and the, 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 the tagline was COVID-19 Recovery and Employee Mental Health. Um, I had a, a little look from a top line about what it was about, but I thought I'd love to get get literally get to the person that was involved in this to, to get under the the hood of it so if it's okay with you i'm going to um just going to take you through some questions just to get out of the report what you think are the key the key bits but before we do that just a bit of context um who are engaged success because that's different to benefit benefits is your company isn't it and engaged success who who are they so um engaged success are a kind of pretty dynamic voluntary movement that promotes employee engagement as a better way for organizations to be and, and for organizations to be successful um it's backed by the cipd and the uk government 
Um, and it's, you know, 2021 will be its 10th year. So it's been running for quite a while now in the UK. And it's all about the idea that if we create these better businesses, we create a better UK economy, we kind of improve productivity as a nation. Um, and I effectively look after well-being for that group. And so, you know, our mission within the, the well-being area of engaged success is to improve workplace well-being by providing employees with the kind of support, education and research they need to create kind of healthy and thriving cultures. And so under my kind of stewardship of this group, um, we use um, a combined expert knowledge of the expert panel, which is a group of people representing kind of journalists, psychologists, so co coaches and uh, mental health ambassadors and influencers, etc., um, to help employers where they should focus their efforts in the most effective ways to achieve that kind of higher levels of performance and engagement through improved workplace well-being. So very much focused um, on helping employers of all sizes right across the UK. Um, like I say, it's voluntary movement as well, part funded by CIPD and the government. So, um, yeah, it's kind of separate to what I do at Benefex, but Benefex did actually sponsor this report, which meant we yeah. they kind of supported the uh, creation of it. Yeah. And as soon as I saw you message about it, I thought I had my instinctive response. That's it. That this is important. I need to I need to speak to Geffen about this. But in your opinion, Geffen, why, why is the report important and why now? So I think so. The report was written because I felt like while many employers reacted really quickly to the pandemic to support their people, all the research was telling me that around half of employees say they didn't feel like their employer supported them enough. And so I really worried that once the physical threat of the pandemic eased, employers would start to forget the good work they did to pay attention to the needs of their people. Um, and I also had been doing lots of research around kind of wide scale societal trauma and and the effect that had on people. And I looked at things like yeah, mass, you know, hurricanes, earthquakes, 9-11, the Chernobyl incident. And when you look at all the data, you know, the long lasting mental health impacts tend to go on for much longer than the traumatic event themselves. Uh, and if you look at, you know, Hurricane Katrina, the mental health runoff lasted about five years. The Chernobyl incident, 25 years later, people were still reporting poor mental health because of that incident. Mm -hmm. And so I expect we're going to continue to deal with the mental health fallout of the pandemic over the last 12 months for at least the kind of next three to five years. Wow. And I also was really conscious that younger people have been significantly adversely affected by the pandemic and those young people will be entering the workforce over the next five years. And so I think they're going to bring with them different experiences and expectations of what they should get from their employer and what kind of support they needed. So whilst we reacted fairly well in most cases to the pandemic, I felt like employers really need to understand that your, your work is just beginning. This is not the end because mm. the pandemic stops. Such an important message, Geffen. And um, just just top line, what's what's in the report? So the expert group. So um, basically, I asked each one of them, you know, to tell me if you could tell employers kind of one or two things, what would you want them to focus on if they were going to focus their time and attention? And it was really driven around this idea as well that workplace well-being had become very productized as a concept. So the idea that I'll run a survey, for example, and people say they're struggling. And so I'll go out to the market then to buy a mindfulness app and roll that out to my people because they said they were struggling with their mental health. When actually, you know, the work starts a few steps before that, which is, you know, why are they suffering and what are we doing about that? So first of all, are we the cause? Because if you look at things like burnout, for example, um, burnout's been a kind of huge topic over the last 12 months throughout the pandemic, uh, record levels of burnout. Yet when you look at the reasons why people burn out, they're almost entirely to do with the way the organization is structured and very rarely to do with the individual. 
yet when we try to solve those problems, we kind of ask the employee to go and kind of self-medicate and download an app and solve the problem when actually the reasons why their mental health is, is on the decline is more often to do with the way we've structured the organisation. So it feels like we're trying to solve a problem we've caused when actually we should be taking a step back and making sure we didn't cause the problem in the first place. Such a, such a powerful way of looking at it, Geffen. And obviously you've got this diverse group of people and you're asking them this question. When, when you were putting the report together and this stuff's coming back in, is there anything that surprised you where you thought, wow, that's, that's, that's totally different to the way I was looking at it? Um, I think what surprised me was how aligned all these different experts were on mm. their messaging. And so I think, um, you know, I had very strong views that, you know, organizations really need to think about well-being as part of the way they design every experience at work. And, and you and I have spoken about this before, this idea that, you know, well-being underpins every part of a great culture. It's kind of yeah. how we train managers, how we onboard people, how do we support them, you know, how we reward them, the benefits they get and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, when you talk to people about well-being and you see people who win awards for workplace well-being, you kind of say, what do you do around well-being? The answer is always stuff like, well, we've got this app for mindfulness that we offer all of our staff. Yeah. We've got an employee assistance program, so if they're struggling, we've got this financial education uh, piece to so people worried about finances, they can kind of go and self-learn and all that kind of stuff. And that is the frequent answer I get when I ask that question. Yet what I actually want people to say is, we support our people. We train our managers. Managers see well-being yeah. their job. We we don't discriminate against people. We made sure that inclusivity is a really big part of uh, our organisation. And so very rarely do people answer that question with how are we designing things to make sure that people's well-being is supported? Um, yeah. To answer it as the collection of things they've bought over the years and stuck together to make a strategy. And so I was, I was quite surprised that the group followed my because we didn't do any kind of briefing i wanted them to kind of have free reign to say what they thought was yeah. important and everybody came down on that side of actually yeah it's about mm -hmm. organization structure and design not about buying stuff and massages and free fruit and mindfulness and that kind of stuff that's i mean that's when i think about our data getting that is fascinating because like we discussed on the pre-call i see well-being is the is the foundation of everything and and happiness is, is, is like, as we call it, the happiness index is an indicator of, of health and things like that. But if you take like the top 10 drivers of happiness, you never see technology in there. You never say you never in, nine, in over 90 countries, you never see things like, oh, this app or this bit of tech that our company bought us. It's just it's always human emotional stuff like that your manager cares about you and so on and so on. Um, so it's it's fascinating to hear that you guys are covering that in, in the report. I know this is a really tough question, um, but what what are your key takeaways from it, Geffen? Um, so I think there's so I think employ one of the the main kind of pieces of the report is that employers need to make a kind of long lasting commitment to support the mental health of their people. And as I mentioned, you know this is about organisational design. It's not about bringing on mental health first aiders or mindfulness apps. Most people struggle at work because of the way we design experiences. And we can look at that because anyone listening to this can think of their organization. And if I said to you, do you think you've got get dead wood in your organization, kind of people that aren't pulling their weight or aren't engaged anymore? People would likely say yes. And if we account for stuff like the pandemic, then unless you employed them that way, which obviously you've then got some pretty questionable recruitment processes. Mm. But if, it, if something has happened to them in their experience that has made them disengaged or disillusioned or unhappy or unwell, and so, you know, 
we need to really think about what can we do to make life better for those people? How do we re-engage them? Because employees are appreciating assets. You know, the more they're longer they're with us, and you know, after the two-year point, they become significantly more valuable to us because they understand our customers and our processes and and our culture, etc. And they've built trust with their teams. And so we need to keep people here for longer. And it's no longer a good enough excuse to just say somebody's not performing. Let's get rid of them. We need yeah. to find out what and to make sure we didn't cause that. And also just to make sure, actually, with a few tweaks, could we make life happier for this person? Yeah. And it, loads of great examples, real examples from the customers I work with who said, you know, actually, we stepped in and decided this person needed support. We gave them the time and support they needed. And four years later, they've been promoted to managers and one of our most successful team managers because we invested in them. We didn't just kind of see them struggling and, and kick them out. Um, so that was something that definitely kind of came out of the report was the idea about we need to kind of treat people a bit better and design for people. So true. Uh, sorry, Geffen, carry on. No, I was going to say, and then the, the other thing that kind of came out was embracing diversity. So, you know, when people can't be themselves at work, when they kind of don't feel represented or heard, it has a significant impact on individual mental health. And so anyone who's experienced kind of homophobia and racism um, know how devastating they can be to our kind of emotional well-being. Yeah. And so again, you know, seeing diversity and inclusion as part of well-being and understanding that, you know, if we are holding people back, if people aren't getting the same kind of um, equality at work because of the way they were born, um, that's going to impact uh, well-being. And again, that's yeah. structural stuff, right? It's how we've designed organizations to include or exclude those people. Um and there's a couple of different other things as well, you know, psychological safety and trust, you know, people needing to be able to trust their employer so that they can be kind of more experimental fear, um, free from the fear of negativity and repercussions. And, you know, we know from all the big Google reports that, you know, that psychological safety is really important to kind of organizational performance. Um, connection and loneliness, you know, even before the pandemic, 60 um, odd percent of people said they didn't have a friend at work or somebody they could trust. Yeah. At work. And we know again that, when people have people they can rely on, they've got a wider support, mental health support in the organizations. They've got people they can go to and say, I'm struggling, you know, I need to speak to somebody. You can do yeah. that with colleagues. You don't need to go to professionals for some of that stuff. We just need people around us who we can trust, um, who can support us. And when we've got that, you know, we become a little bit more experimental. Employees become more likely to volunteer for kind of extracurricular activities. They're more likely yeah. to volunteer for projects and, so that kind of connection and community well-being, as we call it, is really, really important. Um, there's also a little bit about kind of remote working and the impact on productivity and well-being uh, and mm. also some stuff on financial well-being because, you know, financial resilience was eroded for millions during the pandemic. Um, yeah. As we know from the previous podcast episode, money worries and mental health have a very, very close cyclical relationship with each other. Yeah. We And just to back that up, I mean, Again, over 90 countries, the number one thing, if I was talking about 10 things there, all being human things, the number one thing that we see is relationships. So going back to that point, a friend at work and all this kind of stuff, it's if you're a leader listening, thinking about how you can create strong relationships at work is, is part of your job. It's not that it's not the HR team or a little or a side strategy. It's core to it's core to well-being, happiness, performance and, and the whole piece. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and like you say, there's a there's a core set of things that make us happy and you know it hasn't really changed for hundreds of years you know, it's part of the reason why i wrote my book was when you really look at the kind of tribe and fire of humans you kind of realize that over hundreds of years what really makes a difference to us and what really makes an impact on our well-being hasn't changed a great deal um 
which is you know kind of fascinating to see really the fact that you know modern life has developed so much yet actually what people want from life um hasn't evolved uh, massively at all and it's quite interesting so I, I actually did lots of work um which has looked at kind of all the reasons and all the research around kind of science and what makes us happy and healthy and crunching all the kind of different pieces of research that i've kind of um read you know the, the kind of top 10 kind of six things that i uh that i discovered was that exactly as you said social bonds really important at work and at home uh living an active lifestyle um spiritual pursuits and cultural pursuits mm. good mental health altruism kindness and gratitude and financial control and so when you think about those things there how many yeah. people's workplace well-being strategies are designed around those things um and I, I think you'll probably find that most people don't really think about oh actually giving people the opportunity to volunteer is part of mental health and supports mental health and yeah. promoting kindness and gratitude at work and recognizing employees for a job well done is all well-being you know it's not just about mindfulness apps and you know physical exercise you know you know the idea of well-being people go to people like joe wicks when actually that's a very small part of people's overall happiness and well-being totally and it's about dragging this into the center of the company i always think rather than seeing it as like a side thing like well-being mental health we were talking about this with about around accessibility like accessibility is not like a side thing it's like a, a everyone every one of your employees should be able to access and do their work um Geffen, final final point because um, I know you've got to go. We've got to go at eleven. But where can we get? Where where can everyone get this report? What's how can they get their hands on it? So you can download it for um, from engagesuccess.org, um, and so you can kind of download that if you navigate to the wellbeing page. The report's available for free to download. Um, if anyone wants to read the report and share their thoughts, then obviously they can connect with you and I on LinkedIn and social media and tell us what they think i'll be really interested to see if it's if if it, if it resonates with people if it tells them something they didn't already know or if it's kind of helping them to kind of galvanize what they might do to support their people going forwards um i think the overarching message of the report is kind of you know the last sentence of the report actually says you know in order to create a thriving business we need to create a framework for everyone in it regardless of how where they work so that they can thrive too and I think that's really the whole point of the report is to look at well-being as far less the things we go out and buy, the things that help only a point in crisis like EAPs, and instead focus on the kind of structural and organisational factors that the evidence shows us is yeah. where employees should focus. Yeah. Oh, well, Geffen, thank, I really appreciate you coming back on the podcast and sharing. Um, if you, As Geffen said, if you do read the report and, and you've got some views on it, please, please tag us in because... I've, we learn by conversation don't we going back to your going back to your point about human beings geffen so my final point is just to show one of your points which you mentioned which is gratitude really really appreciate you taking the time out for this geffen thanks for the opportunity really good to speak to you again